Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast, sponsored by the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University, where we discuss the work of different designers and design thinking practices. My name is Michaeline Engelmeyer. I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition program here at Tulane. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center, and I have a bachelor's degree in dietetics, originally from Chicago, Illinois. I'm here today with co-host Natalie. Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. Today, we are going to be listening in on the interview of Dr. Laura Murphy. Dr. Murphy is the Associate Director of Research and Scholarship at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking here at Tulane University. She is also a professor in the Global Community Health and Behavioral, Health, Behavioral Sciences Department, teaching critical development theory at the School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. Dr. Murphy has spearheaded several design thinking workshops and training classes during her time at Tulane, like the Social Innovation and Social Entrepreneurship, or SICE minor, SICE 2010 Design Thinking Course, SICE 4050 Senior Seminar Course, and the Fast 48 Weekend Bootcamp. Dr. Murphy is constantly thinking about her students and how she can better design a classroom that meets their needs and maximizes the opportunities for learning. This interview was originally recorded in fall 2019. Natalie and I are here today to hear what Dr. Murphy has to say about her approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some discussion for our listeners. Let's take a listen. I, uh, well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to join. This is my first ever podcast. I am, um, I'm faculty at Tulane. I, I teach a lot of different things um, in the social sciences, development theory, I have a social innovation class. I've been involved with the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking since its start with um, leading design thinking workshops and training and classes and now, um, you know, moving on and thinking about, you know, writing and research and what it is we do when we do and talk about design thinking. That's a little bit. I also like to cook and I um, like to walk around in the city. That's all very cool. So from my understanding, you got your degree in engineering at first? I did. I studied um, mechanical engineering at Stanford University a long time ago. And I also, because well, I wanted to, um, you know, fix problems, I think, to be useful in the world. But I also studied and um, honored, took a program in values, technology, and society, which was a complementary program around the ethics of technology and society. 
I think it was something I um, knew before I went to college, as in something I used to like. I like, you always like tinkering and having stuff and making, and they wanted to be an inventor. Um, was um, interested in it. I just didn't know what it was. I think I would have studied design if I'd known what that was as a field. Mm -hmm. um, in my engineering program, we had something called visual thinking, and I, I, I did that, and we had a product design class. I did that. We didn't have, a, it wasn't a formal design program, but I was interested in uh, appropriate technology, and I was interested in, in technology for society. At one point, I worked for the Mid Peninsula Conversion Project. Mm -hmm. which was really about converting military industrial complex to peace process to peace purposes. That was some work I did in school. Um, and then after, after college, I went, in, went to Indonesia and worked in, in, in appropriate technology, which is really about technology that is designed for and with communities. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I, you know, went on and kind of did other things in a sense, but I've come back to it. I could say I was help, helpful in founding the Taylor Center because I um, developed the Fast 48 workshop in um, January, sorry, in fall of 2013, developed the design thinking class for the spring of 2013. So even before the Taylor Center was a center, was already leading our design thinking courses and workshops and thinking about how to offer that way of thinking to our Tulane community. And um, mm -hmm. I uh, was a frustrated social scientist and have a degree in city and regional planning. And I felt like my social science training and my planning degrees did not offer me the tools to address the problems that we have in the world today. Mm -hmm. And by problems, I mean the really big challenges of inequality, of climate change, environmental waste, um, you know, violence of all kinds. So I was looking for other ways to address these problems. Mm -hmm. And um, and then the, um, the design thinking was one of the courses we developed for the social innovation minor. And I thought, well, this is really cool. And I just kept learning and developing more, thinking about ways to connect design thinking to systems thinking. Mm -hmm. Design thinking is a tool for social impact for anybody, not just say professional designers to make products, but for anybody to use to design their way through situations. Mm -hmm. In fact, I gave a TED talk um, some time ago, I think it was 2012, 2013, around design conversations, the idea of just we need to, to talk about serious problems we're facing like climate change and then, and then we can figure out a way to, to design our way forward. So I think of design as something that everybody can do and use to employ mm -hmm. new ways of thinking. So design thinking is really um, the way, maybe using the tools and ways of thinking of professional designers, but for anybody to come up with with services and products that work for people. Um, but I even prefer a different language. So I'm working on the concept of design capabilities, which is a way to think about abilities that any human being can and, and ought to be able to develop that include ways of working like a designer, like being creative, being able to collaborate with other people, being able to see themselves as someone able to see a problem and address it, mm -hmm. um, to have agency. And um, that might be, you know, just uh, someone might be more skilled in certain ways of designing than others, but still able to see themselves as part of that. So I actually, I actually prefer the term design capabilities as in spreading the abilities of design for anybody to be able to intentionally make change. Jargon is a barrier to people talking and working together. So if 
jargon is what somebody else uses that we, the words we don't like or the words that seem to have a lot of baggage or might be trendy or somehow loaded mm -hmm. and so it suggests to me that there's language around design thinking that that doesn't work for everybody so we need to figure out better language um i think the principles of design thinking are, are, are fine i think it we should take design from the corporate world and just give it to everybody mm -hmm. And then whatever that whatever that looks like, it might be inventiveness, it might be resourcefulness, it might be design capabilities, it might be emancipatory design, it might be lay design, it might just be making stuff. And yeah, we need to get beyond the jargon. I think um, place is important. It, place comes with culture, comes with ways of living. And so you mentioned in, in Indonesia, I went to Jakarta in 1983 mm -hmm. and it was far away and it was before the internet and no cell phones and i was totally immersed in some other setting and i um didn't have we didn't have ready access to information like we do now in fact we only had one telephone for the office of 18 people and um you're just in a completely different place so everything was different people come together differently obviously the language is different you speak Basque indonesia and um housing is different food is different and then you, when you live in it long enough, you just realize, well, that's actually just fine. It's just another way to be. And those become, you realize that those are actually designs, you know, designs for living, designs for community. They don't all work for everybody. You know, there's plenty of problems there. So I think what I have is a lot of lived experience, deep lived experience in other places that are not mainstream, mainstream US. And that's just led me to think, wow, there's plenty of ways we can solve this problem of sanitation or feeding people or housing people. And why don't we look elsewhere? and be inspired by other people. So place, I, and I just love to travel. I love to um, be in different places, experience different places. Place to me is important. I think I'm, all, I'm learning a lot and, and kind of we're always constantly growing and evolving. When I, by living outside the country for a long time, I realized that first I was just a human being, like everybody, and we're all in it together. And then I realized, yes, yes, I am an American with a passport. And that's actually, you know, I, I am free to move in and out and be um, uh, privileged to access the amazing resources and safety and wealth of the United States. So identity as a human being, identity as an American, identity as a woman, and, and there are times when as a woman one can travel and be able to do things that men cannot do. Um, so it's amazingly, it's been amazingly um, uh, liberating in some ways. And then, um, what else? I think coming back, I was thinking, um, I didn't know, uh, most of us growing up in the US don't get a full history, for example, the power of slavery and the way that slavery was um, the, the basis of all economic activity on the continent and, and the, uh, the basis of the states. And so just, you know, living in here in the South and learning and being aware of it has been eye-opening and then you know, appreciating my white privilege and what that means has been um, a really powerful new journey. So I think, you know, I didn't necessarily have that kind of exposure growing up in rural Northern California. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily experience that growing up, living in, in, in Southeast Asia or East Africa. But I definitely, you know, see over the last decade increasing awareness of what it means to have white privilege in this in this country we're in and what does that mean as a designer what does that mean to teach design I, th I think that we can expand design and think about what it means to give more people access to the powers of design 
that are, are really not at, um, not intended for corporate purposes, not intended for profit, to, un, you know, to dismantle systems that have been designed to do certain things and do them very well. well mostly they oppress people and they extract from the environment. Mm -hmm. So time for change. The way I've used design in, in, in a way that might be a bit unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, well, again, I can, use, I can give a few examples. So I, I, in different settings, I'm, a, I'm an educator. I teach in graduate courses and, and, and undergraduate courses as well. And so I always think of that as actually always a design challenge. How do we maximize the learning opportunities of each classroom? So and then, so I, you know, and one's never, I never stop designing. It's just always shifting, you know, what's, what's, what's at stake, who's learning, what's happening. So always think about how to organize a classroom for uh, meeting the needs of students. Um, and, and that's one example, designing the organization of time and the interaction, you know, not just defaulting to a lecture. So that could be one example. Um, and another might be a project I did a few years ago. It's called Climate Change Conversations. And it was a studio, a project with a studio in the woods at Tulane with a, um, an environmental writer, Christy George. And she was writing about places she'd lived and how they encounter and are dealing with climate change. And I was interested in, in trying to address climate change. And this was a few years ago. And so um, it's hard to know, just in the past few years, we've seen people talking about climate change and making, becoming aware that it's actually an issue. And that actually was what we needed to do. But a few years ago, people weren't talking about it. And I thought, well, what we need to do is to start addressing, just start talking about climate change and just recognizing it. So we, uh, we designed some dinner parties and you know, experiences for people to come together and have little conversation cards and just um, ask questions of each other. And that just seems like a small thing, but that's what we needed to start with. Mm -hmm. Um, those, are two, those are two examples that are kind of less, um, maybe a little less obvious. And, uh, and you know, in general, I think I use a design mindset all the time, like just trying to make my morning commute better. We recently had a, um, the building fall down due to really bad designs. Yeah. And bad design. Really horrific collapse of several floors of cement flooring of this hard rock hotel on Canal and, and, um, Rampart Street, which is actually my commute. I'd like to take the public transit. The, all the buses have been displaced. And so thinking about what does that mean? You know, personally, I, you know, I need to adjust my commute and figure out how to make it work over the time in which this thing is happening in the evacuation zone or the, the safe zone of, of recovery around the building. It's a terrible tragedy, right? But in a sense, we're always having to respond to things in the world and a, and a design mindset says, well, how might we make it better? How might we something a little different? Mm -hmm. So I feel like I use, try to use design mindsets all the time. First recognize that you're already a designer in some way. You, you get up every morning and you put clothes on. So you design your outfit, right? Mm -hmm. Or you think about what you're going to eat each day. And so you're designing your own meal times and nutritious experiences, right? You design your social gatherings. So, just start to pay attention and think, huh, what do I like? What do I not like? How do I make it better? And then you look around and you realize that we're doing this all the time. And then you realize that doors and buildings are just the beginning of, of designs that we encounter. And gatherings and ways we come together are designed and we could start to change that. So I think just start to pay attention to how we're already living in a world that is designed and that we have a part in it. Mm -hmm. And then you could just start 
you know, just do something small. What if I do this? Ask, start asking what if. Mm -hmm. So as it is, it's a mind shift. You don't actually need any specific skills. Thank you all so much for listening along with us. Now we're just going to talk a little bit about our takeaways from the interview. Um, Natalie, how did you feel like place and identity impacted Dr. Murphy's work? Um, Dr. Murphy talked about, uh, had a realization that uh, places are design, and specifically she said designs for living, designs for community. And it seemed to have really impacted her on how she sees the world and how she works in design to be part of it or even make change. Places and the people who live in those places offer up their own sort of knowledge of design. And while, like you said, uh, and while, like she said, it doesn't work for everyone, it still offers up inspiration to use the so to use to solve problems elsewhere. Uh, what did you think? Um, Dr. Murphy talks about how when she worked in Jakarta, Indonesia in 1983, she was removed from phones, from radio, from a lot of things, and it helped her see how people in other parts of the world come together differently, eat differently, communicate differently, and all of that was, as she puts it, just fine. The sentiment that, you know, a way of being can feel so foreign and different to one person, but is still perfectly valid and works really well for other people, um, was really awesome and that although the design of it might not necessarily work for everyone, it's just another way of existing in the world. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of like cultural differences or the process of moving past culture shock described so like succinctly and eloquently. Yeah, that's really true. Um, what did you learn about, about from Dr. Murphy about design, design thinking and social innovation? Um, it was really interesting hearing Dr. Murphy talk about design capabilities and how they're different from specific design skill sets. Anything any human being could develop, like creativity and collaboration, or viewing themselves as someone with the agency to address problems, is a design capability. Um, she also talks about how technical jargon is a huge barrier to making the field accessible to other populations, and we need to find different language to change that. Um, she really advocates for taking design from the corporate world and just giving it to everyone. And I thought that was super powerful. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I'm kind of building off a little bit what you talked about with design capabilities. I mean, she, Dr. Murphy provides a, that different viewpoint with design capabilities in lieu of design thinking itself. And in a way, I feel like that term itself feels more welcoming as it kind of implies that we have some sort of capability in design that we, can, that we already, either already have or that we can easily develop. And it's not so much trying to think like a designer, but instead acknowledging that you have the power and the agency to be as capable as a designer is with and with or without the formal training that comes with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, so both of us um, are not formal designers. Mm -hmm. What advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? I really liked how um, Dr. Murphy talked about having an expansive array of lived experience and how that's really useful in helping to generate solutions um, and seeing how other people do things can really be a source of innovation. So being open to other solutions that aren't necessarily mainstream or characteristic of the common way of thinking can bring about innovative solutions that you wouldn't have thought of if you lived in your bubble and hadn't seen those solutions in action. For example, like she talks about in another cultural context in Jakarta. Um, what did you think about this? Yeah, I think um, the biggest piece of advice that I took away was when Dr. Murphy, Dr. Murphy said that you all, you are already are a designer in some way. And when you create, when, the, when she said, when you create or put together outfits, you're designing. When you cook a meal, you're designing. 
And I think this is important to remember because we all have the capability to design like she talked about with design capabilities. We're already doing design in some way. So you shouldn't feel like you shouldn't be using design methods because you already are. And that means you're welcome to be using them in general. I love that. I love how accessible it makes design sound. Um, was there anything about this interview that uh, surprised you that you didn't agree with or that inspired you? Yeah, I really liked how Dr. Murphy acknowledged that jargon, specifically jargon in design, doesn't work for everyone and how it can be a barrier to making design accessible to all populations and communities. I think this is a really good understanding as to how you move a discipline forward and to reach more people. Often academia, like, like academia, can be inaccessible because of the language being used. And clearly that is sometimes the way in design. And I think acknowledging it is a great step, but now the work needs to be done to change the jargon and make, and make it so that everyone in the public can understand it and use it. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was really awesome to hear Dr. Murphy talk about her journey to acknowledging her privilege as a white person and that it's been an awareness that has kind of slowly dawned on her as she peels back, you know, the layers um, and her commitment to using design thinking to empower people and not use it for corporations to earn profit is just like so equitable and so awesome. Um, she talks about like, you know, let's dismantle systems that oppress and extract from the environment. And that was just hugely inspirational for me to hear. Um, but what do you think, listener? Please feel free to check out our website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. Thanks so much for being here. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 3010 class, Levante Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.